0: What a fun show today, Lauren Oh man, it was a great show today, Judd Ah, We've just wrapped And I'm still thinking of so much I want to talk about We're going to have to have uh, our guest back We're being joined, of course You can hear the lovely guitar stylings Of our musical director, Mr. Gordon Lustig Good day, eh? Good day. And and our featured guest is Stephen Rothfeld, who uh, is a globe-traveling, adventurous photographer, uh, the author of a book called Israel Eats. We get into all of that, and I'm just absolutely fascinated and intrigued, and I hope you'll come back again so we can keep talking.
1: I will come back tomorrow. Are you here?
0: Uh, but why not? I No, actually, I won't be here tomorrow, oh. but, but you're welcome Gosh, back. Uh, you can talk to whoever's hosting. You can get someone else's... Uh... How, about
1: if I, how about if I come on the Mississippi with you and we could we could spin a few yarns
0: I would love that have a bit of Americana while we discuss uh, adventuring around the world I didn't plug this earlier in the show, but next year's cruise is France, and I know you are a... Where?
1: Do you know where you're going?
0: I do. It is Paris to Normandy. Round trip to celebrate the 30th anniversary of Judd's Hill and the 75th anniversary of the D-Day landings in Normandy.
1: Whoa, that's... Uh, that My father landed there, and I've actually been to all those towns where he where he was. It's incredible.
0: Incredible place. and this is why you need to come back so we can talk about that as well and come on the cruise well we'll talk about that but in the meantime lauren
2: we invite you to join judd at his family's winery at the south end of silverado trail Juds Hill Winery, located at 2332 Silverado Trail, here in Napa Valley, California, USA. Visiting information is available at juddshill.com or by calling 707-255-2332.
0: Thanks so much, Lauren. We love having folks visit, whether they're Napa locals or folks uh, just coming into the valley for a little vacation. Uh, as you said, visiting information is online, and while you are online, you can see some of our fun videos, you can check out our events, such as the cruises we we're talking about, and you can join the Juds Hill Wine Club, you can even put some wine
2: in your shopping cart. Just for being an avid listener, type in coupon code J-N-V-S, all in lowercase letters, please, and you'll get 15% off your entire wine order.
0: It's a great deal, and I did mention the Wine Club, which is an even better deal. A little bit more off the wine, plus invitations to all these events, and it's like a whole social thing. You'll love it. I want to get to the show, so I just want Gordon to maybe... uh, Give his website in case or email in case somebody would like some guitar lessons or to book you for one of your appearances to compose a symphony, to write a song. Gordon's up for it all.
3: Gordon D, like dog, lustig, all one word, Lustig at gmail.com.
0: Thank you, sir. And Stephen.
3: Stephenrothfeld.com.
0: And we're going to find out what you might see at that website during
2: this show. Thank you, guys. Let's play it, shall we? And now, enjoy the show. Get ready for another heap full
3: of fascinating things to know From witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show No stale script and no rehearsing, live from a Napa studio You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show On Judd's Napa Valley Show Judd's Napa, Judd's Napa Judd's Napa Valley. Wait for it. Show! Show! Oh.
2: And now, live from the 1440 KVON studios at Broadcast Park in the beautiful Napa Valley, it's Judd's Napa Valley Show. I'm Lauren Mole, and here's your host. Jai Fingelstein! <laughs> Thank you very much, Lauren Mole. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right, Judd, and man, does it feel good to have the theme song back live this week? It sure does.
0: We are joined live in studio by our musical director, Mr. Gordon Lustig. Good morning, Gordon.
3: I will not be speaking today, but my no. ukulele will be speaking. We'll be doing me. all the talking for you. Yes. Okay. It's, well, it's lovely to have
0: you back. Thank you. Um, I would like to know if there's anything new with you. It's been a while since you've been sitting here with us. I've so. been
3: sitting here the whole time. Oh, you have been? We just time haven't I was even. here. Yeah. You just no, don't oh even God. pay attention to me. I'm, I'm, last week, you're, you're sitting there all panicking over the theme song, and I'm going, I don't know why they didn't just ask me. I'm two feet away. You're right here. Don't <laughs> pipe up, man. Let your ukulele talk. Yeah, it's, it's good I, to see you. I went you. through a shy period.
0: <laughs> Perfect for radio. <laughs> 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 lovely to see you sir thank you for being here yeah we'll i have be... a
3: song for you later if there's time about mississippi and
2: stuff so yeah
0: absolutely we're, we're heading on the judd's hill mississippi cruise uh, coming up so uh, that's very appropriate lauren everything good with you got any big gigs coming up uh singing oh, at
2: major league sporting events oh oh san francisco giants july 5th with everybody is a star uh, but we we don't know yet uh, who who they'll be playing
0: against. I'm sure we could look that up in a moment, but I'm not going to take the time now because we've got a full show. But I do want you to let us know once again about Everybody's a Star.
2: Well, Everybody's a Star is a non-profit-based organization uh, in Sonoma that helps special needs individuals like myself uh, showcase our talents in professionally made broadcast quality music videos.
0: Indeed. Indeed they do. And there's a wonderful video of you, Mr. Lorne looking quite dashing in your white tuxedo dinner jacket. Singing, uh, I Just Haven't Found You Yet.
2: You're so close.
0: I Just Want to Find You Now. No. We Haven't Found Each Other. You're
2: getting closer. (laughs) What is it? I Just Haven't Met You Yet. Ah, it's close. Michael Buble.
0: Meet, find, whatever. But if folks want to see the video, that's the important thing. What is the website? www.everybodystar.org Fantastic. All right, I'm just going to mention something very quickly. Go Uh, ahead, Judd. Thank you. I appreciate the permission. Springtime Bonanza at Jud's Hill. This is our annual popular event that supports the Napa Valley Youth Symphony. It's coming up on Sunday, May 20th, noon to 2.30 p.m. Uh, Jud's Hill Wine Club members, as always, free to come. Others, there's a, there's a small fee, but all the information there is at Judshill.com on the events page. Look it up. Always a great time. Food, wine, festivities, good stuff. Oh, good. All right, we've got a packed show today, so I want to just uh, cut the banter right now okay. and get to it, shall we? Sure,
2: Judd. All right. He studied ancient cuisine that perhaps a Goth smelled, and has shot passionate chefs who at broth, at broth, yelled. He's traversed planet Earth to make photos of great worth, but he's our guest here today, Stephen Rothfeld. Stephen Rothfeld, how are you, sir? Welcome. Very good, and I'm very honored to be
1: in this very interesting group of people here.
0: It is quite an eclectic uh, combination, isn't it? Very much so. <laughs> well, it's good to see you. Um, we are really just meeting right now for the first time, although I have known of you for, for a bit. I was given this book that's right in front of me last year. It's called Israel Eats. And if you don't know if you noticed this, Lauren. Right here it says who wrote this book. It's this guy, Stephen Rothfeld, ah. right here. So I've had your book for some time, and I was very pleased to uh, to know that you are actually a member of our Napa Valley community. You live up in St. Helena. I had no idea. And this is cool. I'm not exactly sure where we should start. Perhaps here. How about this? May I introduce you via your own words? Sure. Okay. Because may, uh,
1: I, may I have a preview first, though?
0: <laughs> you can look. It's from you. It's from. It's on your website. Okay. If all you right. go to stephenrothfeld.com and look about, you have this little blurb that you've written uh, about okay. yourself. May May I? Sure. Do you mind? No. I think this is a good. In- I don't do this to all the guests, but I really no. liked the way this sounded. Oh, thank you. So this is you speaking about you. I am addicted to the rush I feel when I turn a corner and stumble upon the unexpected. Is it a cloud hovering above an unfamiliar landscape? The blue eyes of a stranger, a stack of blood-red pomegranates, the elegant swirl of wine in a glass, or an outlandish dessert that hint at a mysterious otherworldliness that nourishes my hungry spirit? Ooh, (laughs) That's, that's poetic. It evokes images. It talks to your love of travel and capturing. And this kind of that's your main gig, right? You travel the world and photograph yes. and you have books of your photography from around the world? Yes,
1: and... yes. When I was young, I I uh, I was 20 years old and I left school. I, I was a student at UC Berkeley and I was sick of reading about the world in mm. all the novels that I was assigned. And so I decided that I had to see the world. So I went home. And I announced to my parents that I was leaving school to travel. And my father, he hit the roof. He said, you'll never go back. You'll oh. ruin your life. And my mother said, Jerry, let him go. So I took off. I had a one-way ticket. And um, and I traveled. And, and I realized that that is what I had to do in my life. I had wow. to spend my life in, in strange places out of my comfort zone. That's when I'm happiest.
0: That's interesting. I have been thinking about that. About that exact you know, philosophy, do I want to get out of my comfort zone? I find that sometimes as much as I desire to see the world, learn about the cultures, immerse myself, there's a part of me that's scared to do it. And I have traveled, thankfully. I've gotten out of the comfort zone and, and I, we just got back from Mexico City. And there was a bit of that, you know, ooh, that's a weird looking dish. Should I even eat that? It was ant eggs, escamoles, you know? Ooh. But I tried it, and I, I loved it. And, you know, people were wonderful and friendly, and it really gave me the confidence to want to do more. So where did you, where, where were you? Where did you live? Where did you grow up? You went to UC Berkeley. Yes. Where did, where did Jerry hit the roof? Uh, Southern California. <laughs> Southern California.
1: Yes. yes, So I grew up there. We, I was actually born in New York. Mm-hmm. We moved. Uh, it was the dream to go west yeah. in 1962, and we we. Started our lives in Southern California, and then when I was... Talking Los Angeles? Uh, yeah, uh, San Fernando Valley. Okay, yeah. in the valley. And then I um, I only applied to one school, which is UC Berkeley, because oh. it was the only place I wanted to go. And uh, I told my parents, if I don't get in, I'm not going to college. And oh, no kidding. Luckily, I got in. Okay, and, yeah. um, and that sort of opened my mind and my sure. world.
0: Were you there like during the the beginning of the free speech movement or at the it end it, was, the it end. was it
1: was it was i started uh college in 1974 okay. and i remember shopping at a food shop called ma revolutions on telegraph avenue yeah and walking in there and being able to buy Produce, listening to Jackson Brown and Linda Ronstadt was like, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe that this was actually happening. That this was your yeah, life. Yeah, that, yeah, That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. But let's back up just a moment to, to the folks. You know, you said your dad hit the roof. never yeah. Come back. What, what was their perspective? Where were they coming from? What, what did they do?
1: My father was actually in the clothing industry, and okay. my mother was a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. I would come home from school, and she would be in the kitchen sewing, knitting, making dinner, and she was always there for me. You know, mm. That was such a great feeling that if ever I had something important to share, yeah. my I knew my mother was going to be home. Wow. So that was
0: nice. That Well, that's very comforting. Yes. But then the idea to leave all of that, even yeah. to go up to Berkeley, which is far away yeah, from yeah. such a nurturing you know, nest as you have that adventure spirit. Huh? I,
1: there's something in me I, that I, I don't turn back. I, I, I never turn back and go backward. I always love to go forward. Mm-hmm. And, and I love to be in, in places where I don't know anyone. No one knows mm-hmm. where I am. And oh. it's even better if I don't speak the language.
0: That's better for you. Yeah.
1: I like it even more.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. So you're all the things that make me a nervous traveler to you are saying this is what fuels me. This is me.
1: What, what just rocks me. And the best thing is if I don't know what I'm going to have for breakfast. If it's a totally different cuisine because I hate eating the same thing every day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you're not the guy that gets a hotel that includes the breakfast buffet. Never, okay. never,
1: unless it's being paid for by my client. <laughs>
0: okay, that's good. What? What? Gosh, there's so many questions I have for you because you, you're very intriguing, and I love, I love this philosophy that you have. So, do you, do you want to talk about? So you told me how you got on the path of being a traveler. Where did the the camera? When did you decide like this is going to be my path in life is to to capture what I see?
1: Well. The same father who hit the roof when I told him I was going to leave to um, travel the world, he enlisted in, in, in the army in world, during World War II when he was underage. Oh. His mother had just died, and he just wanted to do something different. So his father signed the papers. So he you wow. know, he planted the seed in me of wanting adventure. And the, and the interesting thing is that we were both in Europe at 20 years old, Mm. But he was there under obviously oh, very, yeah. very different circumstances. But in all the years that he would talk about his war experiences, he would always talk about the funny things, about being on a farm with seven brothers and eating camembert cheese and traveling with a frying pan. So he always had kind of adventurous stories. And he actually took photographs mm. and he printed them himself. And so I have a, I actually created an album for him of all his war photographs. So... Photography was always in our minds. He always had a camera. He always took pictures of us. He had the first Polaroid camera, which I still have. Oh, wow. And and then my brother built a darkroom. My brother loves to say that he's the one that introduced me to photography. (laughs) But uh, I was interested in photography, took a, a class in high school, and it just seemed like such an effortless thing for me to walk around with a camera. And so when I left Berkeley wanting to travel, I took the camera that I always had, mm-hmm. which I tried to sell to someone in Turkey so I could buy a, a, a Turkish carpet, but the <laughs> the price differential didn't quite work out. <laughs> um, but anyway, I always had a camera with me, and, and on that trip, I decided I need to have a life where I can take pictures and travel. And I, you know, at 20 years old, I was pretty fortunate to kind of zero in on what it was that I wanted to do.
0: And be able to actually make a living like turn yeah. it into your yeah. life path that that's incredible and you've been moving forward ever since did you did you return to berkeley
1: we actually do our marketing every saturday in berkeley
0: as far as a student or did oh you just... did... oh yes absolutely I... oh, you did. Oh, yeah yeah oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: i went back um and finished my degree in comparative literature oh and then i applied to an art school in LA that I had actually gone to visit when I was a student at Berkeley um, called Art Center College of Design. And Mm -hmm. it is a fantastic, fantastic commercial art school. And I actually just went back there and visited them after never setting foot on that campus for 34 years. And it was a very, very incredible experience to go back there because it sort of... uh, was the time when I was able to sort of develop what I wanted to do in, in, photographically. So that was very exciting for me.
0: Well, that's got to be an amazing experience. Yeah. And what continues to compel you to get out there? I mean, you've you've been doing it for a long time. I know a lot of folks, they kind of get to a point like, okay, I have now done that. Here's the next chapter. But you keep going. What do you get out of, obviously, your soul is stirred at some level it's and w- w- what is it you you yourself are getting out of the travel and
1: i i love to be in different places and see how people approach this life that we've mm. all of us have been given and figure it out in a different way that is really what i love to see how people find happiness in situations that uh, are so different yeah. than mine
0: that's that's got to be very uplifting. It's it it's fantastic, and that's what you are. I would imagine are hoping to capture through your photography as well. Well,
1: you know, I think that uh, the kind of work that I do, I feel that it's sort of visual anthropology because I'm kind. Oh. I, I I kind of want to sort of observe and study just the reality of my subject of a person. I want you to be able to look at one of my photographs and and. Get a feeling for being there if, mm. if I've achieved that I feel that you know maybe I've had some kind of success you want to talk about some of the places you've
0: visited that have particularly affected you or
1: well I just took my family on a trip to Vietnam mm-hmm. and um, I, I've, I've been exploring Southeast Asia I've been to most of the countries there and there is such a, a, a beauty in the people that I love and of course the food is is incredible Mm -hmm. and it's different and I I felt about Vietnam, I felt really uncomfortable about going there, being an American and what, what the conflict was that our country was involved with and so I really wanted to get into that discomfort of feeling that. And, of wow. course, my family was not too happy about it because they love a
0: beach vacation in Mexico. They're probably not looking for the discomfort factor. Right? No, no, no.
1: And, and, but they were—they loved it. They, they were very, very moved by the
0: experience. Well, it's got to be – it has to be life-changing on it, some uh, level. Always, always. And how do you – since you say you like to go places where you don't speak the language – what is your form of communication? You've got to get through the day somehow. Food. okay. Food is one, and how does but
1: I actually do speak French. Mm-hmm. I studied French in, in college, and I work a lot in France, and my wife and I lived in France. So m- my French is very good, and I've, I've found that in Africa, in Turkey, in uh where else was i that i was speaking french a lot of places if you can speak french or english i think you can communicate i think almost anywhere
0: you can get around yeah you know i was in france for the very first time a couple years ago to one of our wine club trips and i don't speak french and i did a, a couple weeks probably leading up on duolingo you know on the computer trying to learn a few phrases here and there and the very first spot that we popped our heads into was this gorgeous bakery. It was in Bordeaux. was where we were. And the woman there spoke no English. I spoke no French. You know, I could have pointed to some things. It would have all worked out. And for some reason, I said to my wife something, like, I said, which one do you want? But I said it in Spanish. And I'm not sure why I did it, just because I like speaking Spanish. And the woman behind the counter, you know, looked at me and said, Oh, hablas espanol? I said see and then we were able to carry on in Spanish so I mean I see the value absolutely in um you know learning another language being able to speak at least another language but I'm so fascinated by just your previous statement about liking to be somewhere where you don't yeah and and what is it you get out of that the non the non communication right
1: because then you have to communicate using other Sensibilities, other sensitivities, and and um, and you have to really be succinct in either your actions or your expressions to really deliver your message. And it kind of distills it. It it distills the interaction Mm. in in a really, I think, interesting way.
0: Yeah, yeah. For somebody that has a degree in literature to um, kind of eschew. I can't say it's the copy issue. Mean, right? Yes, yeah. words as I find very interesting. However, you have written books. You have many books. Might no actually, this
1: book is the first book I wrote. I I went <laughs> to Israel for the first time in I think 2011. I okay. had a friend, an Israeli friend from Art Center, who would taunt me and tell me that I was a terrible Jew because I'd never been to Israel. (laughs) And the fact is, I never had an Laying the guilt on, huh? That doesn't seem very, okay. Well, no, I never had an interest in going. So I had two weeks in between jobs in Italy. I was waiting for an olive harvest, so I said, I'm going to go and visit my friend Dorit in in Israel. And I went, and I was just uh, floored. I was
0: floored by the whole experience. uh, Apparently so, and I'm holding up this book, and it is... It's hefty. I mean, this could be a coffee table book as well, but it's a wonderful cookbook. It's filled with stories, info, your beautiful photographs. The, the name of the book is Israel Eats. I'm holding it up for the audience to, to see. <laughs> um, uh, Israel Eats with an introduction by famed chef Nancy Silverton, yes. which is very cool. And I love that you, you talk about the people and, and you show the people that you've met along the way and you get their stories, how they're involved in the food of Israel. And it really helps make a connection. And uh, I, I was given this book as a gift. So, I mean, I'd love for you to autograph it before okay. we go. You you can sign under the inscription of the person who uh, who gave it to me. So it's, it'll be doubly autographed. Oh, nice. You can see there's already an inscription uh-huh. there. And I've made some things out of here. And it, just absolutely uh, delicious and interesting and... Some of the spicings may be hard to find at uh, Actually our local. Not. No, you can find all of
1: them. Zatar, sumac, well, everything.
0: I was going to say, you can go down to, if you're at Safeway, maybe not so much, maybe a few, maybe, but uh, nothing against Safeway, gang. But uh, right here at Oxbow, they have yeah. the, the. The spice company. He's the, Israeli. Yeah, the guy they, who exactly. owns it is Israeli. Yeah. They've got everything I've ever looked in any recipe and said, I don't even know what that is. I walk in and they've got a jar of it. Right at the Oxbow. And yeah. that's fun. What what made you want to write a book? I mean, you've, you've been a photographer and then all of a sudden, boom, uh, let's write an actual book that includes my photographs but has narrative and has recipes and well, what was the inspiration? what
1: happened is I went and I came back and, and tried to pitch the idea of this book to the publishers I work with and this was before the Atalangi books really hit. Yotam Atalangi, he is the Israeli London-based chef, and his books have done phenomenally well.
0: Oh, yes, yes. yes. I I think my mom has one of these. I I'm sure everyone through. has one of his books. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, actually, before his books hit the U.S., I came back with this idea to do this book on Israel, and my publishers, and I have to say even my Jewish publishers, <laughs> were not even interested in investing in a book about Israel because they thought, what? You know, with the terrorism, we, no one goes to Israel, no one cares, no one wants to... See this side of Israel. And that made me even more motivated to get it done because I felt people, when they think of Israel, they think of people dodging bombs in the streets, they think of terrorism, they don't think of this incredible, incredible joie de vivre and love of food. And what's so particularly interesting about this cuisine in Israel is that there are so many different influences happening there. And so it's a very lively cuisine, very fresh. You know, the Israelis were so industrious and they irrigated the desert and they grow the most amazing tomatoes, eggplants. They have just great food products. So as I got deeper into the project, I decided I had to write it because I had to tell the stories of these people that I was meeting. Because I would meet someone and even before we would even discuss what I was going to photograph, what they were going to make me, we talked for three hours about where they were from, where their parents were from. And it was just it was such an incredible experience. So I decided that I had to tell it first person.
0: It's great. And to me, it certainly sums up why travel is so important, because you go into a place that maybe you've heard about on the news for some very negative things. But when you actually get there and you meet people like, wow, wow. These are people, and we can relate, and we can tell each other stories about each other, and we can be family, and we can break bread together. And yeah, That's particularly what I enjoy about traveling is really getting to know people beyond what you hear about, beyond any stereotypes, and getting to actually know. And this, this book, I think, does a great job of that. I congratulate you on Thank that. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Thank glad you. it's out there. Any particular... Was there anyone that you that you met that really sparked the idea? Perhaps a chef, a meal you had, a type of food we said, Oh my gosh, this is just amazing. Somebody should be spotlighting this. Was there a moment?
1: Well, one of the many moments happened maybe the second day I was there and I walked by this restaurant. It was about four PM and the place was packed. People were singing. The food looked amazing. So I walked in, and I said, I'm hungry. Can I eat? And they said, sorry, we're, we're full. <laughs> I saw a, a stool at the bar, and the stool was half inside and half outside the restaurant. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, can I sit there? And so she said, I'll have to ask the chef, because if you sit at the bar, you have to eat what the chef cooks. Mm-hmm. So she walked over to him, and um, I saw her talking to him, and he kind of stared at me, and he kind of clicked his head up, and so I was in. So I sat down. The people next to me filled my glass with wine, and I had a three-hour—I didn't even know what it was. Was it lunch? Was it Mm pre-dinner? But I had a three-hour meal with these people who were so interesting that we are still friends and they come and visit Napa Valley. As a matter of fact, wow. and they're they're very very important, incredible Israelis. And they actually took me to meet the president of Israel on oh, my, my last goodness. trip because he gives my book as the gift of state when they travel um, out of the country, or when people come to visit Israel, they give that book. Wow! So that was really, I mean, so that meal. It was a restaurant called Machniura and it is in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and. There is a, they have a style and a cuisine there that you just, you've never seen before. So if anybody is going to Israel, make sure you book in advance because it's very hard to get a table, but go there because you will be really infected by by this feeling of Israeli life and cuisine at
0: that particular place. Wonderful. We are going to have to take a break. We've got uh, Stephen Rothfeld, who's... Adventurer, world traveler, photographer, author of the book we were just talking about, Israel Eats. Look it up. But we're going to talk more. We're going to talk about how you're a TV star now and how folks here in Napa Valley can uh, have a chance to see what you're up to at our beloved Cameo
2: Cinema in St. Helena coming up. You're listening to Judd's Napa Valley Show. We'll be right back after these messages. And now, here he is. Napa Valley's ambassador of good times and fine wines, John Finkelstein. Dodds Napa Valley Show. Dodds Napa Valley Show. Dodds Napa Valley Show. Dodds Napa, Napa,
1: Napa Valley Show. You're listening to Dodds Napa Valley
0: Show.
2: At 1440 on your AM dial in Northern California and streaming live in Jerusalem at (laughs) KVON.com. Back to Judd's Napa Valley Show.
0: That's right. The Holy Land gets this show. And very appropriately so, our guest is Stephen Rothfeld. He's an amazing, uh, globetrotting photographer and the author of a book called Israel Eats. In a moment, we're going to talk about your uh, TV stardom, which is pretty cool and amazing. But there's something that you brought in that's just... Staring me down. We need to mention this right now. You've put this on our counter here. I don't know what's going on, but this looks like a very furry, very pink hat.
1: Well, my son, who actually was a student of Gordon Lustig, who is sitting right next to me. Oh, the guitar? Yes, yes. At some point in his youth, he decided that he wanted to be a
3: pimp for Halloween so he wanted a pink (laughs) pimp hat okay 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 Mm -hmm. so so much for family value show huh yeah (laughs)
1: okay all right sorry folks I walked out of the house with this hat and my daughter who is actually um studying to be a lawyer she screamed at me how can you walk out of the house with that hat Meaning but, how could
0: you give it away? Yes, it's a family
1: no, no, I mean, how could you be so insensitive and oh. bring a hat like that out in the world? But I just thought, you know, it had to leave our house because we are definite supporters of the Me Too movement and okay. everything going on in the world right now. So. And my wife and I have also been trying to become more minimalist and Understood. do a death cleaning before we die. Oh, jeez. So, Come on. <laughs> so um, I thought we need to pass this on and this could be used
0: at hopefully
1: one of the Me Too marches as a… Yeah, uh, you know,
0: it doesn't… I'm looking… Well, go ahead. Finish your statement so anyway, as, a, as a… Used as a… As a variation
1: of the pink hats that uh, yes. marchers are wearing.
0: And I'm looking at it. It doesn't scream costume pimp hat. It just looks like a pink feathery furry hat. You know, a girl could use it as a dress up for even like a Easter or uh, springtime type. Gordon is uh, modeling right now. Yeah. Okay. So if a, a feathery pink hat sounds good to you, listener, uh, be the first one to tweet. We still haven't come up with a good name for this this bit after our... Our uh, esteemed district attorney suggested we change the name from Getting Your Hands on Judd's Goodies, which I agree with. And and Chief Potter as well. And Police Chief Potter as well uh, suggested we change the name. So we'll change the name. It's no longer called Getting Your Hands on Judd's Goodies. But in the meantime, if you would like this hat, be the first to tweet with the hashtag JNVS for Judd's Napa Valley Show. Uh, and then please put at Judd's Hill, tag the winery. That way it'll pop up immediately. If you're the first one, I'll bring this over to our uh, tasting room at the south end of Silverado Trail, and it will be there until Friday. After Friday, we'll just donate it to some worthy cause if no one picks it up. It's in
1: perfect condition. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. It's in mint condition. It's, it's gorgeous, actually. Yeah, I'm, it is. I'm coveting it.
0: <laughs> we have Gordon Lustig, our musical director, sitting here. And Gordon, you said you had a little little snippet of a song you wanted to perform, maybe in uh, yeah, commemoration sure. of our River Cruise coming up?
3: Yeah, your River Cruise. So, uh... Uh, I discovered, I rediscovered one of my favorite songwriters of all time. Yeah. Johnny Hartford. Oh. John Hartford. You know John Hartford? John Hartford, famous for, it's knowing that your door is always open and your path is free to walk. Gentle on my mind. But yeah. He's written, he, uh, he he must have written a song for every thought he, he ever had. He just <laughs> turned it into a quirky a wow. Quirky little song. And this is one that recently was uh, played on Live From Here with Chris Thiele. You know, that's the new Prairie Home Companion. Right, yes, yes. Garrison Keeler's place. And uh, he has amazing musicians on. And a guy named Chris Eldridge came on and played that along with the band. And he described this as probably perhaps the happiest song ever written. Okay. I'll just give you a, a little we love taste of it. Okay, You could take me back to a little old home I love and people that taught in the Mississippi Valley. Even on a Sunday morning, you know that I'll be there. And we all come back for to be with you, good neighbor. Live a good life in the Mississippi Valley. Down on the river, you know that's where I want to be. And the night comes on like a blanket chilly winds. People come out in the Mississippi Valley, Western Kentucky, Cairo, over in South St. Louis. There's a baseball game at the legion post on tuesday have a good ride on the julia bell Swango down to the river you know that's where i want to be and the fields of corn and the banjo music catfish fry and a towboat payload pushing upstream against the stars and a letter comes back from a girl in calhoun county here in the middle of the mississippi river i'm in love and you know that's where i want to be if you want to hear more of it i'll be playing that uh with uh, my f- friend, uh, my new friend, Graham Terry. There's a big article on him in Napa Magazine. We're going to be playing at Silverado. The big, there's a big resort. fundraiser for Girls on the Run okay. on April 22nd. It'll be all day. It's a free thing at Silverado Resort and Spa outside. Fantastic. And so, um, yeah. Thank you, Gordon. I w- sure. Yeah, I'm going to find
0: a, a recording of that and bring it with me down to the Mississippi.
3: Yeah, I'll send you a, Please a do. few different versions of it. Sure.
0: Thank you, sir. Yes. And now back to our guest. Mr. Steven Rothfeld, let's talk about, and feel free to pipe in, Gordon. I mean, you're here, you're, you know, part of the show, so... It seems like you're scribbling down some notes or something. So I don't know if you have an exam coming up. I'm just bored. You're bored. <laughs> I have that effect on Thanks. folks. Sometimes. Thanks, Gordon. Thanks. <laughs> I sat so many. I'm taking the blame.
1: I sat so many days in your house <laughs> listening to my son practice guitar, and I was never bored. Oh,
0: <laughs> I thought you were going to say you were just
1: as
3: bored. I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> not. Never. Bored. I'm working very hard. Right. I'm listening. This is actually. I might just let the two of you go from here. We got about another okay. twenty minutes. Oh, well, right. the two of you just <laughs> yeah go go for it. Very interesting. <laughs> no, I like and this, this banter better Israel. than <laughs> I haven't been to Israel either. I feel bad. I've been offered, and I have a friend named Dorit in Israel too. Maybe Could, it's the same Dorit. It's a small country. Be, I think it there's might only be. one Dorit in Israel. Oh. She's in India now though. Oh, okay, not the same one. Different. Okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> so you you have you have this book out. Israel eats, and. This is, this is just a, a funny thing. This is how I, we kind of got to meet each other via email. My daughter and I sat down to watch, we'd, we'd been to Mexico City. So before we went to Mexico City, I heard, you got to see the episode of this Netflix series called Somebody Feed Phil. It features Phil Rosenthal, who is the writer, producer, creator of Everybody Loves Raymond and all sorts of other comedy greatness. And he has an eating show. He goes around the world eating. So, I saw he has a Mexico City uh, episode, and we watched it, and my kids loved it, and they said, oh, we want to try, you know, cow udder tacos, even though Phil didn't seem to enjoy that, but they were <laughs> intrigued by this. They loved the show. They wanted to see another episode. We watched the Tel Aviv episode, and on this episode, at one segment, Phil sits down with none other than you. hmm You. You. You're right there. Yes. You're there. Steven Rothfeld. And we enjoy the episode. It's fun to see you guys talking about uh, Israel and Israeli cuisine. And within hours, I receive an email from a man I've never met before, Steven Rothfeld. This guy right here is saying, hey, I was just on this show. I live in St. Helena, but I was on this show. Uh, Somebody feed Phil talking about Israeli cuisine, and we're bringing the show to St. Helena. Uh, I heard I should reach out. Maybe we could do something. And I was just amazed, like just hours later, the universe, you know, brought us all together. So that was very, very cool. I was excited to hear from you, excited to know that you're bringing it to St. Helena. So let's talk about how you got on the show, Somebody Feed Phil, and what's happening in St. Helena.
1: So my friend Nancy Silverton, who is one of the most incredible uh, food tasters I've ever met in my life. I worked with her on three of her books, Breads from La Brea Bakery, Pastries from La Brea Bakery, and the Campanile Cookbook. And she came with me to Israel on one of my trips. I asked her if she would write the introduction, and she agreed to come, and she created about a dozen recipes inspired by by our journey. She has known Phil for a long time, and she gave him my book when he told her that he was going to do an episode on Israel, on, uh, Israel. And so his producers called me and said, would you be interested in being on the show? And I was actually going to be in Israel at that time because I was taking a very interesting group of Napa Valley vintners and art corrector- mm. collectors on a, on a visit to Israel. Oh. So it worked out very well. I was able to be on the show. And so I took Phil to a vegan restaurant yeah. that I really
0: love. Love this place. Uh, his reaction was quite, yeah. quite something. He didn't expect to enjoy it as much, to enjoy vegan yeah, cuisine he, as much as he
1: did. He really, really was surprised at at the diversity and also the incredible
0: flavors of this food. Well, when you talk about that so much wonderful food is grown and sourced right there in Israel, you know, everything is fresh from the, the produce to the, well, wouldn't have dairy at a vegan restaurant, but well, no, there's a lot of wonderful farms there. Yeah. Are, are you a, are you vegan? Vegetarian? I'm a I'm a
1: non meat eater. I okay. have um, not been a meat eater pretty much my entire life, I and uh, and sometimes it could be a bit of a challenge when I I work a lot in France as well, mm-hmm. and I've worked with all the great chefs, and I I actually did a book with Joël Robuchon, yeah. the the great French chef, and we were at a lunch in in a region called the Auvergne, which is a very yeah. meat driven sure. region, and mm-hmm. we were visiting his butcher of veal and we and whenever joel would show up they would roll out a feast like something you've never seen in your life and i was sitting next to the butcher and when they served the veal dish and i said i don't eat it i'm a non-meat eater he literally choked oh
0: my goodness in the conversation you had to apply the heimlich right there oh, well uh, yeah. yeah
1: and 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 then the other funny story about joel was that when i would go to dinner at his restaurant Jaman, and this was a incredible restaurant mm-hmm. they had f- about 40 people in the kitchen for 37 diners and it was impi- <laughs> it took six months to get a reservation I mean, it was like crazy and and anyway um he would cook for me and one day we were at a dinner in the restaurant, and they come with the plates with the cloches on the plates, and then mm. all the chefs, uh, all the servers, remove them at the same time. Right. And on my plate was a huge raw pig's ear. A raw pig's ear. Raw pig's ear on my plate, and um, it created a sensation in the dining room. Everyone wanted a taste. Just kidding. The stunned silence. That was a joke. I I am absolutely (laughs) stunned. It was a joke. It was a joke. joke. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what to think because
0: that could very well be. Um, You know,
1: Judd, I feel like I've really surprised you twice so far.
0: Yeah, this is fun for me. Pink hat. Love it. Pig's ear. Why not? Somehow there's a connection. I was curious how you found... Yourselves in a vegan restaurant in was it in Tel Aviv the restaurant? Yes, yeah, that's what I thought. Is this a place you had been before? You yes, knew them? Or, yes, okay. I
1: have I have been there many times, mm-hmm. and I I met the the owner Haral Zakim. He's actually his his family uh, is Iranian. I went into the place and loved it loved the food they have a huge display of of vegetables inside the restaurant Mm. and you know the restaurants in tel aviv are very welcoming and uh and uh full of life and the food was so incredible so when i went and met with him of course we we sat and talked for three hours before we even began began our work and i just uh i loved everything that he was doing and I loved everything I tasted. So F- Phil really, really enjoyed it. He was intrigued by the idea of a vegan restaurant. It wasn't a
0: hard sell to the producers of the segment? Like, I, we're going to go no, to a vegan? No, no.
1: It was either taking them to a goat cheese farm mm-hmm. where these very, very earthy, unusual people make exquisite cheese <laughs> and cook you lunch, and it's a fantastic experience. But they opted for the Tel Aviv
0: Vegan place. It's a great segment. And now, all of Napa Valley has a chance to see it, even if you don't have Netflix, because you're bringing it and Phil to the Cameo Cinema.
1: Yes. We have an event at the Cameo Cinema, which is on um, Thursday. I do believe it's sold out. Oh. And we are also doing something at the Oshman Family Center in Palo Alto, and that's on Wednesday and of next yes uh, yeah wednesday the 18th i believe okay. and and we are having chefs prepare recipes from the book and i don't know what wines they're serving in at the cameo theater but in um in uh in the event at uh, the oshman center we i actually i'm working with an israeli wine importer yeah, yeah. and we have wines from Kishore which is a winery and all the wines are made by people with special needs. So it's a oh. very interesting um, winery. And so we're doing a tasting, I believe, of two or four different wines uh, at the
0: Oshman Center. And that's in Palo Alto. Palo Alto, And yes. then the next night is St. Helena? Or, no. The, the, or the oh, night? right.
1: You're right. Wednesday is Palo Alto, yeah. which is the 18th. And then the Cameo is the 19th.
0: And you think it may be sold out at the Cameo. I, I would imagine so. that sounds like a wonderful evening. But if folks wanted to find out, is it linked through your website or... Probably the Cameo, the Cameo, Cameo Theater. Yes, the Cameo okay. Theater. Okay, Cameo Cinema in St. Helena. We love it. We've had Kathy Buck, the owner, on this show. What a cool lady. Mm-hmm. And that's your now that's your hometown. How did you find yourself in Napa Valley?
1: I was working on a book called Savoring the Wine Country. And this was in 1994. My son had just been born and... We were living in LA, we they, they we just had a big earthquake. My wife was pregnant, had to fit herself under a marble table and we just oh, thought yeah. we are, we don't wanna be in LA anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I came here to Napa Valley to start this this book and I realized that people were living here and they were all unified by the love of the place where they lived. And in L.A., people are there because they have to be – I mean, L.A. is cool. It's become cooler over the years. But I, I just felt like this is a place similar to uh, the places that I love to to visit and work in in Italy and France where mm-hmm. it's a rural experience. You're close to a city, but everyone has this unified feeling. About the love of where they live, so we just picked up and and moved very very dramatically, and um, it was a good choice for us.
0: I'm glad to hear that. No, it's it's no arguing. It's a lovely place to yeah. be, and uh, certainly close enough to major airports. You can get yes. all over the world. Yeah, very very cool. This is this has been fun. We have a um, well. We have we have a. I say we the general. We it's me. I'm going to take full responsibility for this. We've been getting to know you. I had not yet met you before you walked in the door, and I'm very happy to have met you now. And I hope to remain friends, but after this next question, that'll be up to you. Um, so I'm going to ask you something that I know our listeners are interested in, and it's totally your call whether you want to answer it. If you do, please answer honestly and straightforwardly. No need for some people can get a little dramatic, but uh, I have a sense you will maybe you have a way with words. You'll, you'll be able to. You need to dance around it, but I hope not. You'll just be straightforward. So, Stephen Rothfeld is. Uh, you've you've seen it all. You've been around the world. Many. How many countries do you think? Have dozens and dozens. Over,
1: uh, uh, under fifty. Okay,
0: well that's over still, forty, uh, under fifty. Oh, that's a lot of countries to have visited. Not enough. An experience. Not enough. So I know you've seen it all. You've experienced much, and I just want to know. Do you do you go nuts for donuts? Actually no, I don't eat donuts. You don't eat donuts. No, then... I only eat chocolate. Okay, well, there's some chocolate on one of these donuts. <laughs> well, that's the answer. We don't have to go any further. We have a nice selection of our own uh, uh, napa donuts here, but But I will try one ah! Ah, out. In the of... spirit, will you hand that over yes. there, uh, Lauren? The 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 tape is very uh, But if you there. if
1: you if you give
0: me a donut, I'm going to
1: need a cappuccino.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. We can maybe arrange that somehow uh Soon. Hold on to the donut. We'll get you a cappuccino after the, uh, after the show. So there's an array of donuts. We will not go any further with the donuts. Sometimes I Why? have some ridiculous let's, follow-up questions about... Okay, well, let's, let's have a look. Let's at them. Since you, since you are an artist and a photographer, okay. tell me what you see in this box of donuts. Well, actually,
1: I see a donut that would be the, the, the perfect accompaniment for the pink hat.
0: Yes. Would you like to describe in your words... The,
1: uh, the donut is of course their traditional donut shape, but <laughs> it is smeared with a very beautiful, I would say fuchsia pink frosting, and then sprinkled on top are monochromatic pink sprinkles, which means that they blend in with the pink smear and yellow and white. And I'm holding it in my hand and my fingers are sort of merging into this donut, it's like it's so soft and there's a there's a nice kind of greasiness that's uh (laughs) covering my fingers that uh that I really Lauren give me a tissue like no it's okay Okay, I like (laughs) so I see that one (laughs) and then I see a chocolate one and I see something that looks super ugly but probably so good. I don't it's know what they call it. That a, I like call a, it the nub. Yeah, it looks it's a ama- glazed actually, nub. It looks incredible. Well, you are and welcome to. Good. And then there's something else. And this looks probably. I don't know. This looks equally. These look. If I were a donut lover, I would probably be
0: eating these right now. Okay, you you do not have to eat them, but I loved hearing your description. Thank you for answering honestly and. And they come and openly. with a nice
1: paper, crinkling paper. See, yeah, wrapped in paper. It's you nice. Hear
0: that? And now it's time to play everyone's favorite party game here on Judd's Napa Valley Show.
2: This is Mad Libs.
0: That's right. It's the fill-in-the-blank word game that I'm sure you're familiar with. Mad Libs, are you not, Stephen? We, we, we love playing this game. Okay, great. So you know what to do. So uh, let's just get to it, shall we? Okay. I would like you to give me a noun. Dogwood tree. Dogwood tree. Okay. Dogwood tree. How about an adjective? Dilapidated. Dilapidated. All right. Another adjective? Eerie. Eerie. Okay. Kind of creepy, eerie. A plural noun? More than one thing? You know, in, in the springtime, I
1: my back itches a lot, so I'm going to say back scratchers. <laughs>
0: okay. I'm starting to feel a little bit of the... Seasonal allergies as well. Back scratcher. All right, a noun, singular. Since I'm
1: not wearing it, I'll say wedding ring. Wedding ring, okay.
0: An adjective? Melancholy. Melancholy, oh no. Sorry that came so quickly to you, (laughs) to say that out loud. (laughs) Is this the state of this show? I'm sorry. No. How about a plural noun? Truffles. Ooh, yum. Okay, I like that. We're back on track. A singular noun? Um, Pink hat. Pink hat. We know that. An adjective? Steamy. Ooh. Can't wait to see where this is going. And finally, another adjective. Overripe. Overripe. Okay, here's what happened. Stephen Rothfeld, earlier today, I was on your website, StephenRothfeld.com. And I copied down, actually, the blurb that you wrote about yourself that we read at the top of the show. But you have now just rewritten it via this (laughs) Mad (laughs) Labs game. (laughs) Are are you ready? Um, I have to be. I think you can handle this. Okay, here we go. This is you now speaking about you. In Mad Lib form. I'm addicted to the rush I feel when I turn a corner and stumble upon the unexpected. Hey, you mm-hmm. know, there we go. Right. Is it a dogwood tree hovering above a dilapidated landscape? <laughs> the eerie back scratchers of a wedding ring?
2: <laughs> that is just so
0: bizarre. I don't even know what to make of that image. A stack of melancholy truffles. You might have come across yeah. in Italy, some mel- melancholy truffles, yeah. Is it the elegant swirl of wine in a pink hat (laughs) that I like, especially looking at this uh, hat in front of me? Ooh. Or a steamy dessert. That kind of sounds good, actually. Nice, warm something. This almost makes too much sense. You're making me hungry. Uh -uh, You're not, you're uh -uh. not making me laugh. Or a steamy dessert that hint at a mysterious otherworldliness that... Nourishes my overripe spirit. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Gordon, what do you think about, do you have something here? Should we stretch and save it for podcast content, or are you ready to fly? I, I,
3: could, I could give you, you know, a work in progress.
0: Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is one of my favorite moments of Judd's Napa Valley show. It doesn't happen all that often, but when it does, pure magic. This is when Gordon Lustig sits in... And writes a song about the show that we just did.
3: And I have an epiphany. What is that? I had an epiphany sitting here because I didn't do so well in high school and stuff. I just couldn't pay attention. But if I had to write a song for every subject that I was in, if they said after the class today, you need to write a song about what you learned, I would have got all A's. So I was not (laughs) bored, I was joking. Um, okay. And my joke went over about as well as your joke did. So I think we're I was just uh, <laughs> stunned. I,
0: I didn't know what to think. I'm my apologies, but okay, Gordon. So, so I
3: was th- taking notes about you. It was very interesting. And, and here's all I could I could come up with is it was, <laughs> it's hard to work on the song when I was really listening to what you're saying. I was okay, anyway. Um, when he thinks back on his young days attending Berkeley, The only college where he wanted to be uh, let's see where's it go? Um bing. and within an art and literature education He knew he had a lot of world to see Stephen Roth felt to give you the bright colors love of life like his mother his photos are like no others you feel like you're right there he always takes his camera when nobody speaks his language does that cause anxiety oh no contraire <laughs> yes. or i think it's just oh contraire, contraire right Oh yeah. contraire okay so that we was don't speak a- that language yeah. no i don't speak that language so anyway, you know a little little uh, Paul Simon. You know? Very nice, man'. I, I loved it. Gordon we, Lustig. Thank you. thank you for joining us today. My
1: pleasure. can, I, can I own the rights to that? <laughs> sure. okay.
0: You <laughs> heard it. Oh, okay. there, <laughs> there it there is. Go. of course, it's it legal. is all legal. Stephen Rothfeld. Really a pleasure to meet you in person, having known your book, Israel Eats, for some time and knowing about your photographic adventures around the world. It's really a pleasure to sit down and uh, get to know you a little better. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. I would come back whenever you have to fill some time.
0: Let's, let's <laughs> talk because that may happen sooner
3: oh,
1: rather good. than I later. I thought that was my job. <laughs> well,
2: uh, well, Gordon and I could do it together. All right. Judd, have a wonderful cruise next week. This is Lauren Mole speaking for Judd's Napa Valley Show, a -a Gilamar production. Judd's Napa Valley Show.